Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We are so happy you're here. Today we are continuing the Five Smooth Stones series with a message called, The Stone That Kills Fear. In this message, Pastor CJ teaches that God's promise is always over your problem. Are you up against the wall? Does fear have you in its grip? Just keep your eyes on the Lord and He will strengthen you for the battle. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Amen. Hasn't God good? Amen. Amen. Hey, let me just tell you something really quick. Take out your sermon notes as you are. I want to tell you something funny. Uh, I had a chance to be with my son and then this weekend because, like, again, we don't get to celebrate holidays like on regular holidays, so we celebrated yesterday. My brother came up, and we just got a chance to be with him. But my son, and I normally don't do this. How many of you drink energy drinks? Amen. I, I don't, I don't, never, I've never drank an energy drink. You, I don't drink, drink a Red Bull. I don't drink any of that. I never have drank any of that, period. All right? Well, my son says to me, he said, Dad, you got to try this stuff. And I said, well, what is it? He said, Dad, it's powdered energy drink. All right? And so he gives me and my brother this powdered energy drink. All right? And I kid you not. So I drank it. And he put it in water. And it's a little powder stuff. And he put two and a half scoops in there. And here what it was, it was pre-workout energy drink. All right? And so I drank this bad boy. Then we went to Mall America, and we had all our grandkids, and we went to the, you know, the, the, the rides and everything. And halfway through that time, I started feeling like I was buzzing. I mean, I was talking fast. I was moving fast. I, I mean, I kid you not. I don't know how you guys drink that bad boy. It just had me freaked out. I was, my brother, my brother and I, we were both, and my, my son taped us because we were acting so crazy. And then on the way home, I, I had my crash. I, thank God my wife can drive, amen? And, uh, but I, I've never, I, I, I never drank that stuff before. And, and it really, I mean, it just, Jeff, it just nailed me, you know? And I felt like the energized bunny, and people are saying, you already act that way already. And you should have you saw me then. I mean, it was crazy. Hey, uh, I want to take, take all your sermon notes. Today, I want to talk to you about the stone that kills fear. And uh, I hope you brought your stone, because what I want you to do is I want, to, again, to take these, and I want you to write part one on, on your rock, okay? And so we're to pass it around. And hey, guys, listen. We, we lost some, some markers, so in the back, will you do me a favor? In the back, just pass them up when you go. In the back, uh, make sure that we give them to the ushers because the ushers, uh, I'll pick up the markers, okay? And then mark on your stone, fear, part one in the date. These are your mementos. Remember, we're going to hold on to these and keep them with us. And so mark on your, if you haven't got a stone, you can quick run out in the foyer and get one. Amen? Uh, there's some out in the foyer. Listen, this, this is a memento that you're going to have to keep with you through this series to remind you that you do not walk in the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Sometimes you need to be reminded of who you are in Christ. Amen? And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how David knew who he was in the Lord. And when you know who you are in God, you will understand that there's no mountain that's against you that can overcome you, but you are the overcomer of the mountains that come your way. And so many times what happens is we hear the voice of the mountain, 
You know, we hear the voice of the mountain roar at us, and that mountain of the roar from the mountain, it overcomes us. But let me ask you something. Does the mountain know your voice? Does the mountain know who you are? Does the mountain know that you are a child of God? Does the mountain know that God lives in you? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said, now lives in me now lives in you, that same spirit. You have to understand and identify yourself of who you are. You are a child of God, and God's spirit lives in you, and therefore you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Now let me ask you something. Later in the service, does everybody got one of these? If you don't have one of these, make sure you raise your hand and lift up your hand. My wife will come along. We'll pass some of these out. I want to make sure that everyone has one of these. We want to speak our problem, listen to this, our promise over our problem. This is what this is all about, and we'll go into this in our, later on in our service, but our promise over our problem. And if you don't have one, as people got their hands raised, our promise is over our problem. And so make sure that you get one of these, and when you get them, you're going to see at the top of them, write your name on them. And keep these in your Bible or keep them close to you because this is your your promise over your problem, okay? It's going to remind you of who you are in Christ. Your, prob your promise over your problem. Let me say that with me. Your promise over your problem. And so you keep this close to you, and we're going to go over this in a moment. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says this because in order for him to be full of the Lord, in order for him to be powerful in Christ, he realized that he has to be empty or weak in himself so that God can fill him up with himself. You see, God doesn't want half-full Christians. He either wants you to be full for him or empty so he can fill you up. If you a lot of times walk in our own abilities, our own talents, our own strength, what happens is you're doing it on your own. But Paul says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, right? That his grace, his mercy, his strength, his forgiveness, his understanding, Taylor. Man, I love watching you guys on Facebook. You're a good daddy, man, I'll tell you. It is so fun to watch you guys. Keep it up. I like it. Amen. I'm like Mikey. I like it. Amen. And, uh, but he says his grace is sufficient for you. In other words, his strength, his power, his, his understanding, everything that encompasses grace is sufficient for you. In other words, he supplies all our needs according Nelda to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And when you read that verse of scripture, a lot of times we equate that verse, Philippians 4.19, to just our physical needs. But that verse also means his strength, his power, his might in your circumstances of life. And if you look at Philippians 4.19, Paul is talking about the Philippians church that provided his needs, and his needs physically as well as spiritually. And so what Paul is saying here, he says, his grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. You see, God doesn't look for someone who is full of himself, full of pride. I can do it my way or the highway. I can do it this way. I'm going to do it my way. God looks for people that are open, willing, surrendered, and submitted to him so that he can pour into you and use you. Amen? I love watching Dale and Penny. Dale and Penny, they do when they do children's ministry, they do it once a month. And when they do it, what do they do? They do a puppet show. 
And if you remember a few months back, we did a puppet show here on the platform. And Dale and Penny, what do they do? They, they, they control that puppet, and they make that puppet react and all the facial things on that puppet, and they make it hands move and make it go up and down. They nod its head. You know, sometimes, I hate to equate that, but sometimes we are a puppet for God, that God, you are the hand within me. Use me, move me, break me, make me, shape me into what you want me to be. I have to empty myself out so that you can take control of me. Amen? Not my will, but your will be done. Somebody say amen, right? So that's what Paul is saying. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. God, I, I, I can't do it on my own. I, I can't. How many often the times that we always equate weakness with that we're a pansy or we're, we're weak or we're fragile or something's wrong with us if we use the term weak? The natural mind or the world says, if you use the term weak, you must be a pansy, right? Or you're not a man. But in God's term, being weak means, no, that means emptying yourself out and letting down your walls, letting down your pride, and said, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And then he goes, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults. That God, I can't do it. I love it when, man, we're up against the wall. Remember when, when uh, Jehoshaphat, when he cried out to God and all the armies were coming against him. And what did he say? Lord, I'm not able to overcome this. Lord, this is bigger than me, Rose. But what did he say? Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You don't know what to do, Brittany? You don't know what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, how that's supposed to happen? But then what he said, but my eyes are upon you. Why does he say his eyes are upon you? Because when you keep your eyes on the Lord, you fix your eyes on the Lord, the author in the what? Perfecter of your faith. You see, when you keep your eyes on the prize, what God begins to do, he energizes you, he fills you up, and he strengthens you for the battle of your life. But when you break your eyes off Christ and you take your eyes on you off him, he said, I will keep you in perfect peace whose eyes are fixed on me. But see, we have to keep our eyes. God, I can't do it my way, but Lord, I know I can through you. So Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on the prize, which is you. And if I do that, Lord, I know that I'm going to cross the finish line, and I'm going to win. And how many of you know that we all like to win? Amen? I know that, man, at Family Fun Night, I want you to bring your favorite game, okay? I want you to bring your favorite game, the one that you like to win at, the one that you like to cheat at. Bring that game, because I'm going to watch some people's dandruff get, you know, deaf, what I'm saying? They're going to get all mad because maybe somebody's beating you at your game, Amen? We're going to find out where our character is in Christ, amen, the fruit of the Spirit. But listen to this. God does not look at weakness as someone who is not capable. You get that? God does not look at weakness as someone who is not capable, but as someone able through him. God doesn't look at you as uncapable or weak or not strong, but he looks at your weakness as frailty that I can come in and help you in the midst of your storm. I love it when my wife, I'm so grateful for my wife. I love my wife, but she's my better half. 
She's my helpmate. Why does God give you a helpmate? Because when one falls, pity the man who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls. She is there to support me. She was there to drive for me yesterday when I crashed. Man, I'm so thankful that she could drive and she stayed on the road. Amen. But you understand what I'm saying? Listen, that's what God does. He comes along with you, Val, and he shoulders the weight with you. That what you can't do, God says, listen, okay, you can't finish the race. That's all right. I'll take the rest of the load. He comes and he partners with you. He partners with you to help you get over the finish line of life. And so God says, listen, just because you're weak doesn't mean you're not capable, but you're capable through Christ. Then he goes on to say, the secret to overcoming your giants is knowing who is able and who is on your side. That's the key of knowing that God is for me, then what? Who can be against me, Dave? So if God is on my side, guess what? You're on the winning team. And you may feel like you're losing for a while. You may feel like you're going under for a while. But let me remind you of something. The devil thought that Jesus lost too. Don't you remember? On the first day when he was crucified, the devil was having a heyday. Oh, here he is. He's put in the tomb. Man, he's supposed to resurrect. But what happened? On the third day, came the victory. Sometimes it might not be the first day that you're going to get the victory. Sometimes it may not be the second day that you're going to get the victory. Sometimes it may not be the third day that you're going to get the victory. But if God is on your side, you will and you shall get the victory if you do not quit. Amen? Amen? You just don't give up. That's why he says, do not become weary in well-doing, for at a proper time you will reap a harvest, Dave, if you do not quit. You see, a lot of times what happens is we forfeit the victory in our lives because we quit in the middle of the stream, in the middle of the stream of our battles. And we give up and we think God has abandoned us and God's not helping us in our weakness, but God is testing you to see what kind of faith you have inside of you to hold on in the midst of your storm. Amen? Now look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I love this verse of Scripture, but look what he says. I love this. Be alert. And a sober mind. If you look and put by that verse there, put Ephesians 6, verse 18, right there by your, your, your Bible there, your, your verse there. You know what that says? Pray in the Spirit at all times so that you can be alert on all occasions. In other words, there's something about being alert, being attentive to what's going on around you. If you're a safe driver, what do you say about being a safe driver? Always watch when you come upon an intersection. Look both ways when you're coming up on an intersection. Make sure you come to a complete stop. Make sure you, before you go through the green light that you take a look before you go through it. So always look inside. When you're going down the road at night, look for deer. You look for little spotlights on the side of the road. You know, that's how you kind of see there's deer. So you're always being attentive or alert to things around you. It's the same way what the Lord is saying, that you have to be alert, that you have to be attentive. You have to be on your P's and Q's because the enemy never tires. You may get tired, but when you get tired, that's when God can take over. But the enemy never tires. And look what he says. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. In other words, he's prowling around. And when does he normally prowl around the most? At night. You know why he prowls around at night, the lion? Because they like to sneak up on you. They like to catch you off guard. 
And you know what the night times are for people? Here's the night times for people. Does it necessarily have to be at midnight at night? No. You know where the night time is with people? It's when you're by yourself. It could be at noontime. That's your nighttime when the enemy by yourself and the enemy comes in like a flood when you're all alone and he puts fear or anxiety or worry over you. That's your nighttime. Maybe you're at work and you're being overcome by situations by your, your employers and all of a sudden that's your nighttime. You see, that's why you have to be alert all the time because the enemy never tires. He comes against your mind, body, soul, and spirit all the time. But he comes against you like a roaring lion for looking for someone to devour. Why is he devoured? What does John 10.10 say? He comes to kill, rob, and destroy, to devour, to take from you, Dan, to take, and, to, to, to take your joy and your confidence and your strength and your source from God. He comes to take that from you because if he can take your joy, guess what? If you don't have joy in doing something in life, what do you want to do? Quit. So what does he attack? He attacks Jerry, your joy. He attacks Harlan, your joy. He attacks your strength. He attacks your mind. He puts things into your mind. All of a sudden, turns it in from an anthill into a mountain. Man, the things that you worry about, they say that 98% of the things that you worry about and fear about never even happen. But that's how he attacks. So he says, be alert. Be in season and out of season. But like, I love this. He said, resist him standing firm in the faith. God, I don't know what to do. What did Jehoshaphat say? But my eyes, God, are on you. He stood in the faith. You see, people always say, well, pastor, I don't have faith. Wrong. The Bible says every one of us have been given a measure of faith. Every one of us. So every one of you have faith. It's that you have to exercise your faith. How do you exercise your faith? You exercise your faith in the midst of your crisis. God, I'm going to stand. I don't, man, I don't know what to do, but God, I'm going to stand. What does the Bible say? When you've done all you can, then stand. You stand in your faith. He said, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Do you get that? The enemy is not a respecter of person. He doesn't select some and not the others. He comes after all of us. How many of us all face some kind of persecution or struggle? I think we all have. If you haven't raised your hand, maybe because your armpits are sweaty and you don't want to raise your arm, amen? Because we all face some kind of persecution, right? We all have. And the enemy comes against everyone. He's not a respecter of person. He comes against us. And if you have your notes, so look at what he says. A lion loves to run in packs when he attacks. How many of you know that's true? He loves to run in packs when he attacks. That's why the God gave us five smooth stones. The enemy loves to run in packs. Did you ever watch when lions hunt, wolves hunt, coyotes hunt? They always always, always hunt in packs. In some way, somehow, Mike, they figure it out. They got their dog language, lion language, however it is, and they know how to come against and attack uh, 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 their, their, their prey. And if you ever watch the lion, we watched it the other day. My wife and I were watching on Discover Channel, and they were showing, the, they called it the wild animals. Have you ever seen that on TV? And these lions, they came against the other lions, the, the, the king prey, the king lion, and they turned against him and took his life out. All of them just attacked him. And finally, he took his life out. And what happens is they come, and they just, they just don't come one. They come with many. And isn't that exactly how the enemy is? The Bible says he comes like a legion, 
many. He doesn't just come one way, Mom. He comes in several ways. And here's how the lion attacks. Number one, look at on your notes. Here's the first one. The lion attacks this way, by bringing doubt. That's the first attack that he wants you to do. He wants to attack you and say, do you really believe God's word? Do you really believe that? In the midst of your struggle, do you really believe that God was for you? Who can be against you? Isn't that what happens? That's the first attack. How many can relate to what I'm saying? The first thing that he does, he wants to make you doubt God's word. And if he can make you doubt God's word, guess what? You start losing the stronghold or your faith with God. What's the second attack that the enemy comes? He wants to bring disbelief. Well, how does disbelief start? Well, maybe I believe a little bit about the word, but I believe this part of the scripture, but I don't believe that part of the scripture. In other words, we selective Christians. We start believing what we want to believe, Val, and spitting out those things that we don't believe. We start dissecting the word of God, and then we start disbelieving God's truth. And it's the truth that sets you free, but it's the enemy that puts lies in you that puts you in a bind. Isn't that right? So what's the second attack or the third lion? The third lion is this. He wants to kill and destroy. He has no good for your life. I was with a guy yesterday, matter of fact, and we were at their house Thursday night, and him and I just, man, we had a great insight talk about the Lord, and just, man, I had a great time, went four-wheeling, and just had a great time talking about God. And one of the things we talked about is that why is it, why is it that whenever Christians go through persecution, when they go through persecution, all right, why is it the first thing we do is, oh, God, and we want to shake our fist at God. Think about this. And we were talking about this Thursday night. Why is it that we want, God, if you love me, God, why am I going through this? God, I give up on you. God, I quit. God, I'm mad at you. And we take that energy out of the one that we loves us and gave his life for us, and we take, Adam, that energy out on God. When the enemy plainly says that he comes to kill, rob, and destroy, can you imagine if we reversed the curse and took it out on the enemy and used that same energy that we get mad at God with and used it against the devil? Think about that. And we're talking about this Thursday night, and I'm saying, yeah, Troy, you are so right, man, because that's what we do. You know why we do that? Because we know that God's not going to quit on us, so we always take it out on the one that we love the most. Think about it. How many of you have ever had your kids turn on you? Mom and Dad, I hate you because you won't let me drive the car. Right? How many have been hurt by a, maybe a family member or a relative? It's usually the closest one to you that hurts you the most. And that's what we do with God. We don't like it when someone hurts us. We don't like it when a family member hurts us. But we do that to God. And he already took our pain. With the cat of nine tails, he took the 39 lashes upon his back. Every one of those lashes represents the pain that you and I go through. And yet we keep whipping him with the cat of nine tails. And it's not fair to God. He's already took your pain. He's already took your sorrow. He's already took your, 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 your confusion of life. And yet we continue. When God says, no. You're at the wrong direction. you got to be in season, out of season. you got to be alert, recognize who your enemy is, and go against him and not me. 
Somebody say, ouch. Amen. I like that. Amen. You can say that I can't. <laughs> number four, look at this. Look at what he wants to do. After all this, number four wants to bring fear. Isn't that exactly what he wants to do? You know what is fear? Fear is a real emotion that holds people back from going forward in life and in Christ. Fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Fear. What is this? Look at this. Do you know this? Check this out. I love this when I study this. There are 366 fear not verses. Fear not verses. One for each day of the year plus leap year. God never forgets anything. Is that amazing? Isn't that awesome? When I'm studying that and thinking, 366 days or fear not verses, God even remembered leap year. I leaped over my fear. Ain't no mountain high enough. You don't know that neither. Amen. Ain't, hallelujah. You know, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, look at what Paul says. He says, for the spirit of God gave us, does not give us, does not make us, excuse me, timid. Doesn't make us timid or fearful. For the spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a self-discipline. In other words, God doesn't put that in you. If you have your notes, write this down. What is fear? Fear means false evidence appearing real. Appearing real. Making it look like it's real. Imagining that it's real. <coughs> That's what fear is. False evidence appearing real. It's not real. But the enemy wants to put that fear in you to paralyze you and stop you from advancing into the kingdom of God. He wants to stop you from advancing because every time you advance, you're taking back what the enemy stole from you and he stole from others and he stole from the Lord. Amen? And you're taking it back. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took back what he stole from me. Yes, I took back what he stole from me. And I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole. Come on. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. You don't know that. Under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan, he's under my feet. He jumped the verse. Amen. But you understand what I'm saying? How many of you know, remember that song? That was a revival song, camp song. Remember that? He's under my feet. Do you believe that? But what is one of the enemies attacks, the lion that attacks you? Doubt. Disbelief. He wants you to walk out of doubt and disbelief. He wants you to walk in that. And that's how the enemy operates. Listen, for fear is a dark room where negatives are developed. How many of you know that's true? That's where the dark, listen, when fear knocks on the door, send faith a letter. When fear knocks on your door, Lord, I'm sending up a letter. God, I need your help. I'm trusting you, God. I know that, God, you have the best interest for me. That's why your word says that you know the plans you have for me, not to harm me, but to prosper me. So, Lord, I'm sending you up a letter. My letter is of faith that I'm not letting go. How many know that's true? Listen, fear is the only antidote. Or faith is the only antidote for fear. How do you overcome faith or fear? By faith. By faith. By faith. 
by faith. Look at Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Every one of those heroes of faith overcame their struggles by faith. And it overcame their struggles to help them overcome their fears, to help them win the victory. By faith. You see that? By faith. Where is your faith? Your faith is tested in the midst of your storm. If you didn't have storms, then how do you know if you have faith? It's storms that produce faith. It's storms that make your faith go deeper. Do you ever notice the palm tree? Why does the palm tree always stand during a storm? Because the palm tree always stands. If you ever watch a hurricane, if you ever watch these things on TV, what is always standing after destruction? It's the palm tree. You know why? Because a palm tree has a mechanism in its trunk that as soon as it's bent over to a certain point, all of a sudden inside its trunk, those roots automatically go deeper into the ground to hold it in position. We need to be a palm tree that's not wavered under the storm. I went to cackling squirrel, chattering squirrel. I call it cackling. But I went to cackling squirrel the other day, and maybe you guys go there and you see this girl there. And I call her palm tree now. Her name is palm tree to me. I don't even know her name, but her name to me is palm tree. You know why? She has a palm tree, a tattoo on her arm right here, this big palm tree. And I said to that girl, I said, you know what that palm tree represents? I don't know. I just liked it. Well, let me tell you what it means. And so now her name is Palm Tree. So when you go in there and you see the lady with the palm tree, you probably see her veil. she got the palm tree there. That's her name, Palm Tree. And I told her the story. I said, listen, you have gone through some struggles. And I didn't even know the girl. She started crying. I said, you have gone through some struggles. You've gone through this. But I'm going to remind you, when you go through the struggles, look at your palm tree that's on your arm because God is going to sustain you when you go through your storm of life. Amen. You see, listen, guys, your palm tree is your faith. That when you're under struggles and under pressure, it's not a time to run and be caught in fear, but it's a time to stand up and say, I know who my God is and that my Redeemer lives, and he never left me nor forsaken me. He's not giving up on me, nor am I going to give up on him. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, my Lord. So hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Isn't that right? Don't you come back. You got, man, Bill's tracking with me today, man. Listen to this. Get this. This is, this is so true. Fear attracts attacks. Fear attracts attacks. How many of you know that a lion, again, knows the weakest one in the, in the herd? What does it do? It understands and recognizes the weakest one and the one that's walking with fear. And so it singles it out. So when you're walking in fear, guess what? It opens the door for attacks. But if you walk with your shoulders high, look at what this does. Faith attracts blessings. When you walk with faith, Jeff, say, man, I'm going to beat this situation in my life. I'm going to overcome this struggle, and I'm believing with you, man. I'm going to overcome this. You know what it does? It shuts the door to doubt. It shuts the door to disbelief, and it opens the door to blessings. You see, that's the key. Listen to your pastor. I'm trying to put something in you today. I'm trying to deposit something into you. And every time you deposit something in you, guess what? It's going to get Christ's dividends. You know what CDs are? CDs are Christ's dividends. And every time you get a deposit in your life, you're getting Christ's dividends in your life. And you know what that means? You're getting interest on the word. And the word is what? Living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce the darkness, able to cut down the fears of your life. Because why? Christ put his Christ. Christ's dividends in you today. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to preach today. Amen. I, I, I've been, I, I told you I've been all fired up about this one. Listen, 
Listen to this. Fear not. You know what fear not means? Fear not means run not. What does fear normally generally do? It makes you run. Here's a prime example of fear not, run not. In 1 Samuel, look at what he says. 1 Samuel 17. Look at David. I love this. Come here, he said. This is the giant yelling to David. He's calling him out. Calling him out. Doesn't fear call you out? Calls you out. Who do you think you are? Robin, who do you think you are? Come on, Robin, take me on. Isn't that what fear does? It calls you out. It puts you in an isolated place. It puts you in a place of, man, feels confined and restrained and held back and, man, restricted. I can't do it. I can't. Come on. Where's your God now? Isn't that exactly how the enemy roars? Wants to intimidate your faith. Wants to intimidate you and put fear in you, Adam, and make you doubt about your business or whatever else it may be in your life. Come on. I dare you. <laughs> That's what he was doing to David. <laughs> Look at what he says. Now give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. What does that mean? Wow, fear. First of all, he's an intimidating giant, and now he's roaring. What does the devil do? He's roaring looking like a lion. Notice what he does, Karen? He roars. He roars. Why? The roar of intimidation. Didn't say he bit you. Didn't say he's going to hold you. He said he's roaring. Isn't that exactly what the fear does? It roars at you. You can't do that. Who says you can get that promotion? You're not qualified. Roar. It's that energy drink again. But look at this. David said to the Philistine. David knew his God. Fear not means to run not. David didn't fear. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled the day the Lord will deliver you into his hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Why did he say cut off your head? Because you read Galatians, they would take the carcass of the enemy and they would drag him through the, uh, through the cities and through the towns as a sign of victory. And David said, I'm going to show the victory. Watch this. And I'll strike off, cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcass of the Philistines' army to the birds and the wild animals. Look what he's doing. He's reversing the curse, Ethan. What did the giant say to David? I'll give your carcass to the birds and the wild animals. Guess what David did? Oh man, you talk about me, I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm going to give your carcass to the birds, to the wild animals. You see? You see the fear that was broken off him? He didn't allow those chains of fears to hold him back. How many times have we allowed, oh man, those fears, those birds, Alfred Hitchcock, oh man, I'm going down. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And the whole world, guess what? You are a part of that world. The whole world, Sherry, will know that there is a God. Let me ask you something. Do you know that there is a God that defeats the giants in your life? That fear, that giant of fear has to come down in Jesus' name. 
Oh, man. Whew. You can never consider yourself a conqueror if you are always running away from fear. What can you say you conquered if you're always running? You will never know. God will give you a verse of promise toward your fear of unexpected times. Now pull this out. This is your promise over your problem. Thank you for, to Lucy. Lucy got all these for me. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. But I want you to see this real quick, and you can read it. I'm not going to read all of it through, but I, Craig Johnson, am a party waiting to happen. <laughs> I love that. Amen. Look at this thought. This is, this, is, this is your promise over your promise or your problem. Look at this. Here's your promise. Angels rejoice over me. Demons flee from me, James 4, 7. You see the promise over your problem? When you're going through a situation, you pull out your promises over your problem. And you start speaking to that. You become like compound W and cover up that wart until it suffocates with the promises of God. You suffocate that. You feed not the lion. What you feed is what's going to grow. And if you feed fear, it's going to grow. But you suffocate it, it'll die. And you suffocate it with the promise. That's how you win. You see, listen. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. It'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. But in Matthew 14, verse 27 and 31, you don't have to go there, but let's go to the points now. I don't have time. But in those three steps when fear comes, Jesus is speaking here. Now, watch this. In those verses, you can read those on your own. But in those verses, what was happening there, get this. Here's what was happening. There was a great storm. Rudy, there was a great storm. Turbulence, man. The boat was ready to sink. The, the disciples that had just been this now, just been with Jesus. Why is it that we can rejoice in church but we forget about Jesus outside the church? They had just been with Jesus and they're ready to sink, Jeff, and they're ready to go down. But what happens? In those verses of Scripture, look at the first thing that Jesus says. Take courage. The opposite of courage is discourage. Jesus said, don't get discouraged. Take courage. Take courage. You know why he's saying that? Because I am here, Dave. I am here. Take courage. I never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, verse 5. I am never leave you nor forsake you. And here's what he says after that. Verse 8. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for what God did yesterday, what God did 2,000 years ago, he's the same God today. And if he can come in their boat, he can come in your boat. And when God came in their boat, he said enough to the storms. He faced his face into the wind, and he spoke to the storms of life, and he said, be still, and the water became still. Your storms of life, God, all all he has to do is speak his faith into the wind and say to your storm, enough. If God could come in the twinkling of an eye, can't God change your situation in the twinkling of an eye? It all stems by taking courage, not losing the faith, not giving up, not quitting, not letting fear come in and subside, subside you. But look what he says. Verse 28, come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. He said, come, he said, talking to Peter. What did Peter do? He walked out of his storm. 
He walked out on the water. Gonna walk on the water with me. Come on and walk on the water with me. You will not fail. Remember the sherry? You will not fail. Come on and walk on the water with me. Come on and walk on the water with me. You will not fail. You will not fail. Look at this. Some of you have a long and sour face, and it looks like you've been running a very long race. Get in over your head. Get in over your head. You don't know that either. That's another revival song. I'm going to have to teach you a lot of stuff along the years. Amen. But here's the last one. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Let me ask you something today. Some of you are tired. Some of you are weary. Keep the faith. Listen, your Goliath may have a track record. Your Goliath may have a track record. But so does your God. He has never lost. Our Goliath will yell at you that you will never make it to put fear in you. In Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let your ears only hear the voice of the promise of his word. The promise, the promise, those things I gave you. Your promise over your problem. You see, apply the promises over your problem. Apply the promises of his word to overcome your fear. Next week, we're going to talk about walking out of your fear. Part two, make sure you bring your rock. Make sure you bring your momentum. Bring this, because you're going to want to keep this on your desk, maybe at work, at home, on your table, to remind you that next week, part two, I'm going to give you some points how to walk out of your fear. I want you to stand with me. This morning, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Ethan, can you come? And as we get ready, I want to sing this song, I'm No Longer Afraid of Slave to Fear. But this morning, God wants to set you free. And we have a little time today. And this morning, maybe you came and you're saying, Pastor, I need prayer. Maybe you're like Jehoshaphat. I don't know what to do. That's when God says, I can take control. When you empty out, God can take control. When you give yourself to God, God, God comes to your situation. And so this morning... As we're standing, you say, Pastor, I need prayer. I need prayer. I'm not going to have you close your eyes or bow your heads or raise your hand. If you just need prayer this morning, if you just say, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm struggling with some things in my life. It's okay. We're all family here. Family that prays together stays together. And if you need prayer, I want you to just slip out right now. Just slip out. Come on. It doesn't have to be over fear. It doesn't have to be just, you just need particular faith. You just need, you need prayer. Tonight we're going to have Miracle Sunday. We need some people to gather around Becky. She needs prayer. She needs some people to come. Robert, I want you to come up here. Come on. I want some people to gather. Come on. I want some prayer warriors to come up here and gather around these people. Come on. Come on. There's some young people. Josh, where are you at? Come and pray around these young people. Come on. We want to pray down the walls this morning. We want to pray down the walls. We need some people right here to gather around little Judy. Gather around Judy right here. Right here. Right here, Penny, gather with her. Right, Penny, pray with this young lady right there. Come on. Sherry, come on up here. I need you to come on up here. I need some people to come up and pray. Come on. Come on. Let's begin to pray. Just believe. Dan and John, come on. Judy, I want you to come right here. Come on. J Sherry, 
Man, we're going to break the spirit of fear, doubt, worry, any confusion. We're going to break that in Jesus' name. Now you stand your hand towards these people. Come on. Let's believe this morning. Father, we thank you. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Morning by morning, we, mercies we find. Yesterday may have been, oh Lord, a horrible day, but God, thank God, this is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice in it, Lord. I pray for these individuals here this morning, for Becky, Lord, that you would just touch her right now. In the name of Jesus, by your stripes, she is healed from the crowns of her head to the soles of her feet. We come against the C word right now in Jesus' name. We're not even going to speak the word. We're not even going to give it honor. We're coming against it in Jesus' name. We speak wholeness and health over her body today. I lift up little Judy to you and ask that God you touch her body, Lord. Lord, heal her in this, this throat area, Lord, in her lungs and from this burning of this, this chemicals, Father. Just touch her, Father, I pray. In the name of Jesus, once again, by your stripes she is healed. And for the others that came up here, whatever their need may be, Lord, we come against it. We speak to these mountains and say enough is enough in Jesus' name. Lord, we are more than conquerors through you. Today, they walk over their problem and so their problem walking over them. They are free indeed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing, what you're going to continue to do. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's sing it as we go out. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren. Or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.